Ah, Yahweh, the opportunity to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, yet again, Father, that you bring to me the opportunity to share this and be a conduit to any that have an ear, to let them hear, not only hear the words, but listen to the message. Go and dig in, diligently search for you, Father. Look for you with a longing and a heart to do so, to be with you, to spend time with you. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity. Thank you for this time. Thank you. So, um, don't get your knickers all twisted up about this because this isn't uh, this isn't a targeted attack on my niece by any means. So don't even go there. Um, she's a little confused. She's young and it's really good. She's got a she's got a good heart. And she wants to know about. She's looking for God. She's trying to learn about God. And she's seeking it, and that's okay. There's some folks that are around her that are, um, as I see and understand, and I, I'm not right there with her. So I'm going from what I'm experiencing and and sharing with and from her. Um, I think it's causing her confusion. That's okay. It is okay because she's seeking truth. She's seeking answers. And part of that is that she's finding scripture that's confusing her because, and and I'm sure it's not just her. I'm sure there are others that are of the same ilk, the same gathering, the same idea. They They are of the same thought process. And scriptures talk about fearing God. Be afraid of God. Um, I'm going to go over here to, uh, and then I'll explain, I'll, I'll go through these and, and explain to you. Um, you have to understand that there is nowhere that the prophets tell you to be frightened of God. And the fear that they're talking about is as I tried to share with her and explain to others, and I've shared this with you all before, it's an auspicious fear. It's not to be frightened. It's not to be scared. This is auspicious fear is when you know, you know that you're in front of the creator of all things. You are in front of your heavenly father. You are in front of the king of all things, the maker of all things, all knowledge, all truth, and all wisdom. And he is sitting in judgment. He created everything. He is everything. So you go and you have an auspicious fear. You have reverence for who he is. You have reverence for what he is. You don't go in there with all sorts of a cocky attitude and you got this swagger going on as you're going in to talk to God who created you to begin with. And you're standing up there and you're, you got this smack going on. Well, knock it off because that's foolish that is your arrogance that comes from this really profound word that actually finds its place in a lot of scripture in the Bible. 
and it has I right smack in the middle of it. That's word pride. All about I, all about me, all about what I want, and I, 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 me, 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 and it's got nothing to do with anyone else, so you have no kindness, you have no compassion, you're arrogant, you're rude, you called, the Pharisees called Christ a liar and a blasphemer because they didn't agree with what he said, but of course, they didn't know the truth because they didn't understand the truth. They spoke the language of their father. And their father, of course we know, was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. But back to this fear thing. When the scriptures talk about fear of God, it's not to be frightened of God. It's an auspicious, reverent fear, a profound respect because you know who he is, you know what he did, and you know what he does, so you reverence that. You don't go in with your all, I just get this picture of somebody going in and trying to swagger and be all, trying to be something that they're not. I'm trying to portray that out to God. Well, that's just disrespectful, it's arrogant, and how are you going to do that with the being that knows you better than you know yourself? He already knows what's in your heart. And remember this. You're trying to portray something out to the one who cares nothing about that. God is a respecter of no man or woman. I've shared this with you before. I'll share it with you again and probably keep on sharing it with you. He doesn't care what you wear. He doesn't care how you swagger in there to talk. He doesn't care what you might own or what kind of car you drove up to church in. He doesn't care. What he cares about is your heart. Are you auspiciously fearful of him so that you have respect him when you come before him? That's what it means to have auspicious fear that you respect him because he is the king. You respect him because he is the maker of all things made. But at the same time, he loves you because you are his child. And he wants an interpersonal relationship with you. But if you're being f too busy being frightened and worried about being afraid of him, how are you going to have a personal relationship with God who desires to have a personal relationship with you? So when the Bible talks about these things, it is an auspicious fear. And David talks about it in the book of Psalms. I can't find that one. I was looking for it. She had it written down, and I, I guess I, I can't find it. But David talks about how fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Well, yes, because a wise man is going to not go before the king with an arrogant, haughty attitude, a wise man is going to go before the maker of all things made, the very one who created his life, the very one who breathes into his lungs. He's going to be wise and respectful. He's going to be humble. He's not going to be haughty. He's not going to be arrogant. In his wisdom, 
because he fearfully, auspiciously reverenced to God. That's what that means. It will bring wisdom to you. If you don't allow yourself to become arrogant, haughty, and remember this, you're not all that. That's an old saying. I don't even think they use that term anymore. Oh, he's not all that, or she's not all, anyway. You're not all that. So don't try to portray something that you're not to God because God knows you better than you know yourself. Remember, this is the this is the one who has all the hairs on your head numbered. He knows when the next one's gonna fall out and which ones are gonna turn gray. Ouch. Yes, Father. <laughs> oh, God knows more about you than you even know. And when David talks about that, he's talking about being fearful in a reverent way, not being frightened of God. Um, where are we going? I'm jumping over here to Psalm 1. Hmm. It's in, I said it was 110, is Psalm 210. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That means that you are in awe of the king of heaven the maker of all things made, and you know who he is, and in your wisdom, you do not come before him with a haughty attitude and arrogance and try to tell him how it's gonna be because that won't go over so well. And there's other things in here that help us to know and understand who he is. David shares this in Psalm 4, 8. Well, actually, I'm going to go back up and I'm going to share with you both. And uh, in 4, I have a number of verses, actually, I'm going to share with you. In 4, 4, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Sila. Pause. Be quiet. Meditate on God. This is one of the other things I've shared with you many, many places throughout the book of Psalms. David was a... Um, was a thinker, he was a contemplative king, a poet, musician, and oftentimes, and you will find that word, that very word I just shared with you, sila, means to pause, take rest, breathe, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now, this other one is, I think, is very key. 
I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. So, that begs the question to be asked. If you were frightened of God and you were scared of God, would you be able to lay down and close your eyes and go to sleep? Knowing that God is watching you, God is with you, God is around you, and God can't be seen by you. Brothers and sisters, that's not what God is about. God is our king, but God is our heavenly father. He loves his children. Why do you think that he came and he died so that you would have the opportunity to be in and return to the family of God so that you no longer have to be wandering around out there. And yeah, it's not gonna be easy because the devil really wants to make it hard on you. I've shared that with you already. I've shared that with you. He wants it as hard on you as he possibly can. And this is another one that uh, I'm going to share with you because, well, I like it. And David reminds us, this is what God is about. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee. In a time when thou sayest, when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come in nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. There's that word again. Rest, pause in God. Breathe in. Ruach Elohim. Breathe in the breath of God. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Is that a God that you need to be frightened of, afraid of? No, I share with you, it is not. This is a loving God. He is your protector. And David, throughout the psalm, throughout his poems and his songs, he reminds us that God is our strong tower. Now, you have individuals that he also sings about who are frightened of God. And those are the ones that instead of running to the strong tower, instead of running to our protector, instead of running to our heavenly father, we run the opposite direction. Run away from the very thing that you should be running to. Why? because you're afraid and you're fearfully driven. Remember I shared this with you? Let me remind you. Fear is a pseudonym or another name for Satan. False evidence appearing real. He makes you to believe or he puts that thought process in to make you be afraid of God with fright instead of awe and he gets you to believe that God is something that he's not. 
and you allow it to take root, and then you run away from the very thing that you should be running to. God is our good, good father. And I'm going to share this with you that the Holy Spirit just drew my eye right to it. In Psalm 32, Psalm 32, 1, this is a song of David. Blessed is he whose transgressions, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Okay, let's translate that so you understand. And it, it, it just, <laughs> the spirit took me right to it, showed me that thing, and this is, uh, this is what happens when I'm up in God's watch and, and he's walking around in the room with me and he's spending time here and then he does something like my heavenly father does and he puts his hand on me. It makes me cry. And then at times when he puts his arms around me and I just start to blubber, you know when that happens. But this is, is this, again, let me bring this out. Is this something that you should be frightened of, afraid of? The one who forgives you and when you come to him with reverence and you come to him with that auspicious fear and respectfully, Father, I fell. I'm sorry. I know it didn't please you. Forgive me, please. I, I am just weak. First of all, God already knows that. God does not expect you to be perfect. There is nothing perfect until he who is perfect has come. And who is that? That is Christ Jesus. So he already knows that you're not perfect. He knows that you're bruised, you're battered, you're scarred, and you have a lot of those things going on. He already knows that. Doesn't bother him, he loves you. So, He is our good, good father. And as we find here too, I want to, uh, want to do the, oh, where'd I go? Did I pass it? I'm sorry. I think I did. I apologize. Oh, here we go. Here is another dominant passage, again from David, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, 
thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Selah, Aman, Aman, Yahweh. Amen, Aman. So be it, praiseworthy is he. There is nothing to be frightened of about God. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Certainly not God. Remember, there when the Bible talks about fear of God, it's talking about auspicious reverence fear so that you become wise by not going out and arrogantly kicking in the gates to his courtyard and then strutting yourself on up to the doors of his sanctuary and just pushing your way in there and you've got that strut going. Well, you might not strut back out. Just saying Leave it where it belongs, and that's outside. Because when you come to in front of the Lord God Almighty, you come to him with thanksgiving, giving of thanks, which is praising him and worshiping him. And we have to remember that there are a number of places where it talks about not being afraid because why? Because God is with us and he is with us always. The very first place that we find that is in the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, that was direction that was given to Moses, and Moses gave that to Joshua. And he... Remember, Joshua's getting ready to take over the leadership from Moses. And then we're going to jump over. We're going to come into verse 8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Don't let things cloud your thought process, cloud your judgment, because you become fearful. Remember what I've shared with you about fear. False evidence appearing real, that's a pseudonym of Satan. He likes things to appear to be things that they are not. 
And he wants you to be fearfully driven because if you're fearfully driven, that means that you are not going to act according to the way you normally would with other people. You're not going to respond the way you normally will. And you're not going to behave the way you normally do. And we have several places that we find in Joshua 1, starting at verse 6. Well, actually, God is talking to Joshua, and he's talking to him, and it starts in, in verse 5 where he's speaking to him directly because, as I told you, Moses is getting ready to pass the leadership to Joshua. And Joshua was chosen of God because of the 12 that went into the promised land. He and Caleb were the only ones that came back with a good report and came back saying, yes, let's go do it, what it is that God promised he will do with us. And the others came back and they said, oh, no, 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 my goodness gracious, let's not do that because... We saw ourselves as grasshoppers and, and these the Amakites, they're huge. They're going to step on us and stomp us like bugs that we look to be. And they got everyone to rebuke the report that came back from Caleb and Joshua. See, they, they made it known to themselves and the others that God was not capable God was not big enough. God was not powerful enough that all of these giants were just going to stomp them like grasshoppers that they saw themselves to be. And if you remember, the prophet Ezekiel had to go and prophesy to the nation of Israel. And this is what the vision is that he saw in Ezekiel 37. And remember what I shared with you in Ezekiel 37, 11. The nation of Israel had given up hope. For all hope is gone for our part, meaning that they gave it up. They It was gone. And Ezekiel had to come and speak truth. Again, Joshua 1, verse 5. There shall be not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commandeth thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but shall, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then that shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaks nearly the same thing.
and 41.9. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So now we're going to have a little bit of rock and roll history. Bet you never thought you'd hear that phrase. <laughs> so um, actually I was doing some studying a little bit earlier before I collected all these notes and got this together. Um there are maybe some of you that are familiar with a group called the Moody Blues. Maybe not. For you millennials out there that do everything on the internet and Google stuff, Google it. It'll tell you about them. And there was a song that was written by the Moody Blues and it was called Nights in White Satin. There's several schools of thought of why why the uh, why Graham Edge wrote that. Doesn't really matter. It was a I, it was an interesting song. But at the end of the song there's a poem and a poem is written is was written by and also uh it's read by a uh I'm sorry. I totally apologize. Totally apologize. I mixed up. Graham Edge was the one who wrote the poem. He didn't write the song. He wrote the poem. And it's read by Mike Pender, who was the keyboard the keyboard man for the band. But in those days, there was much more than just a keyboard, and it was it was different than keyboards are today. Oh, my goodness gracious. So different. So, so different. If they had then what they have on keyboards now, those guys would probably still be going, I, I, and they'd love it. But anyway, back in those days, they had attachments and things that they could do, and they were called synthesizers. And they could make things sound differently than what they were. Okay. So anyway, Mike Pender, because of his interesting voice, which he did have an interesting voice when he read that. He read the poem. And... It's an interesting poem. But one of the lines in the poem is breathe in the deepening gloom. That's just talking about the night. 
But rather than reading that and doing that, what I share with you is that you, I say you breathe in deeply, Huach Elohim. Breathe in deeply. The breath of God. The Spirit of God, which he gives us freely, he loves us. This is a gift that he presents us freely. All we have to do is suck. We accept that Jesus Christ appeared as a man here in flesh on earth. We say that we believe that. We have faith in God. And we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the breath of God comes into our lungs and fills our day. And every morning before we get up, we present that as giving thanks to God for that breath. Breathe in the breath of God and rise up. Brothers and sisters, don't be fearfully driven. Be auspiciously fearful of God because then it makes you wise in that you will present yourself upright, humbly, yet boldly, because you can be bold and humble. I've shared this with you. It is possible to do. So anybody that will want to argue that point with you, they're doing so solely for the sake of argument, which is vanity. You can be bold and humble at the same time. Because if you're boldly going in, you're going in and presenting yourself before your king, your Lord God Almighty, upright and righteous because what he puts in you and what you have in your heart. But then, of course, you know he's your king and you reverence that. And you would kneel and present yourself in humble adoration of the fact that he has given you the very life that you have. Don't be fearfully driven because that's exactly what Satan wants you to be, is fearfully driven because that's his fear. He wants you to be fearful. There's a big difference and God knows that we have, we're afraid of things. He knows that. That's why he tells us, be not afraid nor dismayed. I'm going to be with you. It's okay. You just show that weakness to me and you come before me and you ask for guidance and strength. I'm here for you. I love you. You're my child. Of course I'm going to take care of you. Of course I'm going to hold your hand with my strong, righteous right hand. Of course I'm going to be your buckler. Of course I'm going to be your strong tower. Of course I am. I'm your heavenly father. What kind of father would I be if I did not do that? And how are you going to lay down for peace and rest? And as, as David talks about it, and he puts that in his in the Psalms, and he says that I will lay down quietly and in peace because you watch over me. Now, if you were afraid of God, 
Would you be able to do that? Honestly, listen to what I'm sharing. Would you honestly be able to do that? Okay, God's invisible. God's always watching you. And he knows everything you're doing. He knows what's going on. Would you be able to do that if you were afraid of God? I would suspect that you would not be able to. David lays down peacefully. I've shared that with you with the shepherd. Why does it? Why is that a good analogy and metaphor? Both. Well, because the shepherd guides and protects his flock. He safeguards them. That that staff, that crook that he carries. That's not to poke him, prod them, and whack them to get him going where he wants them to go. That's to protect his sheep, to protect his flock to guide them, to help them. If they get stuck in the brambles or they get, so he can he can help them out with that crook end of it. That's what it's for. It's to safeguard and protect. And he is a good shepherd. He is our good, good father. He loves us. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Fear's okay. Auspicious fear. Reverend. He's our God. He's our king, but he's our heavenly father. And he loves us. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers. I'm going out and coming in every day. Be blessed.